We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I grew up at ESPN. Literally. I got there when I was 25 years old. It's almost all I know. I had a cup of coffee at the Boston Globe. I was there for three years. I now see that there is a world outside of ESPN. I realize that there is life after. You know, I know that there's something else. Like when Morpheus was telling Neo, like, you know that there's something wrong with the world as you know it. It's like, I knew something was out there, but I couldn't quite touch it. And now that I'm free, I'm like, oh man, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like I'm energized in a way that I was never energized before. And I couldn't be energized before because I was an agent of the system. I don't even feel like I've tapped into my potential at 40 years old because I've been in that box. It's a hell of a box. It's a big, pretty box. But I, especially now, they're not the end-all, be-all. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm only two weeks into it. I'm like, oh, and everybody told me, like, yo, when you get to the other side, you're going to feel differently about it. Michael Smith is one of the greatest sports broadcasters of the modern era, a really smart brother who rose up through ESPN's ranks alongside Jamel Hill, moving from hosting his and hers with her, a little afternoon show, to hosting the 6 p.m. Sports Center, one of the biggest slots on the network. When Michael and Jamel got that job, it felt like a victory for the culture, and people celebrated like we had all won something. And we had. It was a thrill to see Mike and Jamel take over that slot and make it their own. But... Behind the scenes, things were difficult from day one. I've known Michael for a long time, and we talked about what was really going on, and it's a lesson in the reality of big-time TV. He just recently signed a settlement with ESPN, allowing him to move on and talk about his past, and we got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. It's my man, Michael Smith, on Touré Show. When you got the 6 p.m. Sports Center, it was like the culture was like, yes. That was awesome. Victory. Mm-hmm. We've all won we made something. It. Did, and like you, that Drake song. We made it. We huh? made it. <laughs> yeah, and and you felt that. I felt it on a lot of levels. I mean, the outpour and the support. Like, I've had it both ways. I've been drug on Twitter, but I've had moments where there's nothing like it where your mentions are just flooded 
with the culture, with black Twitter, with love. And it's just like, hell, I've gotten the last couple of weeks. I got it with the announcement. I got it for the different world open on SportsCenter. Mm-hmm. Got it for that announcement. It was like comments, tweets, like so much so as like, oh, I got to go back. I got to thank all these people one by one. Because it's just, it just, it gets overwhelming. I sat in my hotel room, not as a result of the response, but just personally, I sat in the hotel room because I remember we got the six, the water line in my refrigerator had died and my floor had flooded. So Surf Pro had, we had to, we had to go live in a hotel for a minute. Okay. Um, so we were in a hotel for like a week or so and I'm in a hotel room by myself and it really was the first time in my career that I stopped and smelled the roses. And I shed tears. I cried. You know, I remember I got on my knees. I thank God. And I got up and I cried because it was it was a it was a sense of beyond not just we made it, but just like validation, confirmation, all the things we'd done. You know, Jay and I often said that, uh, you know, we were selling tapes out the trunk. So that yeah. was our record deal. Yeah. That was our record deal. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it was, it was big. It was Wait, definitely big. Was it for, when you talk about like crying and yeah. thanking God, was it for the time slot, the, just this, the status, the money? All the, of the above. All of the above. Everything that came with that assignment. Yeah. You know, the platform, what Sports Center meant within ESPN, what Sports Center meant to, the industry, what Sports Center meant uh, to American pop culture, yeah, uh, the money. It was just again confirmation, validation, affirmation that all the hard work had culminated with you know such a such a major and assignment you, at ESPN. Because I mean, how many people could say they host a Sports Center? And you guys had and we had our name on it. We weren't just Sports Center anchors. No, it was going to be our Sports Center. Six. It was Sports Center with Michael and Jamel. We renamed it. Correct. Rebranded and, it. And we yeah. created this little thing at was it at three o'clock? It was all over the place. So numbers never lie. Was like three, three thirty, four. It was all over the place. Right. His and hers was noon. Right. Uh, his, okay, and her, right. his and hers was noon. Right, right. Uh, now, I, was, I, I remember, Tori, I remember when it was a big deal and how upset. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. 
Each of NPR's Black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Some people were. Because remember, once upon a time, first take when it was on ESPN2 re-aired at noon. It was first take. So you're, you're more of a news pop culture guy. You ain't sitting in front of ESPN like everybody else. Are you kidding? You no, know, I mean, you watch ESPN, but you ain't sitting there watching it all day. So there were people uh, who watched 10 o'clock first take and noon first take. Okay. Back to back. <laughs> okay. And so when we came, we were on at two at one point. And then when we came in and moved to noon, people were like, the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, who, who, who? But you went in there and you created your own product. Yeah, man. That at 12, that was told with his and hers, that was totally different than anything on the network. Oh, yes. And then they said, we're going to elevate you to one of the top slots yes. in the whole thing. That's exactly right. So how long did it go well? <laughs> Not long. How long? Not long. Um, let's see. Uh, we started... We started uh, February of 2017. I feel like because – so one of the things that I think appealed to the mainstream and therefore I think appealed to the powers that be at the time at ESPN was this little bit that we did. We had kind of become known in part for our skits. Right. Uh, you know, while we were on His and Hers, we did Coming to America – was the first one, I think. We did Step Brothers. We did, and we always would attach these scenes to sports if possible. But after a while, our brand was big enough, at least, you know, within this bubble, to where we didn't have to attach to sports. So, like, we did Empire, you know, uh, when Empire was first popping, and we just attached it to us. Um, Step Brothers was about us and our relationship. Um, we did uh, Anchorman with a lot of other ESPN on camera <laughs> talent. Um, and the, probably the best one was Boys in the Hood for Halloween when oh we turned the God. set into the porch. Oh, my God. And we did Boys in the Hood. That was probably the best one. That you know what epic. I mean? And so we do this. And, um, and we even did an at the movie Siskel and Ebert recapping our skits, you right, know, right, talking right. about our skits. So it's like we really milked that for what it was worth. Um, so we started like the second week of, of Sports Center. We did a Golden Girls movie. Thank you for being a friend. We licensed, got the license for that. We was able to play Thank You for Being a Friend. Uh, and then. I would say the highlight, the high point of the 6 p.m. Sports Center for us was when we were able to gather the cast of A Different World together and do the Different World Open. Mm. How ironic, because it was a different world from where we came from. Right. Uh, it was it was fittingly ironic or ironically fitting, whatever the phrase is, that we uh, we did that as the open. And so that was that was that moment, another one of those moments where the culture just like stood up and applauded, right? You know, it was it was crazy the amount of love we got for that. 
So anyway, that was it was all downhill from there is why I bring that up. It's all downhill from there. So before we and that go, was that was that was February or March of seventeen. Before we go into the downhill, yeah. I, I've had a lot of female co-hosts. I have never had and and I love all those women to this day. Yeah. But I have never had the connection that y'all two had. Yeah. I mean I don't think it, anybody has. Was it right away? Um yeah, it was it was before we, but the thing is, it was before we ever got on air. See, the thing is, so many, this is why it was such a perfect convergence of, of factors that led to our chemistry. Like, chemistry is ingredients, right? And you mix yeah. the right ingredients, and here you go. You mix the wrong ones, and it's combustible. So, um, it was a number of factors. One, we've known each other since about 2002. We weren't always as close, but we knew each other. Two, same age range. Three, Similar backgrounds and sensibilities. Four, similar drive and motivation. This is no order. I'm just listing them. Similar drive and motivation. Five, same places in our careers. Six, we weren't a forced or arranged marriage or arranged pairing. You we weren't. wanted to work together. Oh, you oh, you, you you chose each other. Correct. And went to the brass and was like, we, we vibe. To which they said so. <laughs> They're like, or actually, more specifically, what they said was, well, you know, y'all think too much alike. Because mm. see, which means you're both black. Correct. I was just, to do a non-black show as two black hosts, very rare. Very rare. Hadn't happened. Right. And you tell me, you're more, you're a better expert on this than I am because this was told to me, and I tried to figure it out, and I couldn't refute it. What's a non-comedic primetime show anchored by two black people, or furthermore, anchored by? One black person, one black man, and one black woman. Which, which is not, not comedic. Which is not about blackness. I can't. I mean, there's some local news broadcasts, right? Especially in the South, where you might have two black hosts, and it's not supposed to be about. And not only that, but, is that just a schedule thing, or are local. they the anchor? Are they the stars of the show? I mean, they. Or they, they just, or they just so happen to be on together that but it's day. It's local. It's not even it's still national. Right? It's not so national. Point, yeah, with commercials and all that jazz. So I'm saying like it was unprecedented on a lot of levels. But even before that, when I say we went to management for that they rejected the idea that two black people could do it and and disagree because remember mm. you know it was like this whole wave of debate television and 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 disagreeing and tension and 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 the small-minded lack of imagination that permeates management when that management is pretty much almost exclusively old white men right. is it's got to be a black man and a white man right we ain't even got to women yet it's just got to be a black person and a white person because right. they're going to disagree. And that's what Stephen A. always gets, a white guy. Well, that's the PTI model when the truth of the matter is right. Mike and Tony think alike. Right. <laughs> just right. Like, for example, right? Right. right. But, they, but optically, it's like, well, they're, each side is represented. Right. So the idea that me and Jamel could disagree as much as we did was a foreign concept, right? So we got rejected when it came to wanting to do television. We might have gotten like a three-day stint on first take one time and- you know, they, they still didn't see what we knew was there. So shout out to Sharita Johnson, uh, Johnson Bridge Media now. She's actually in the management representation game now. She's an agent, started her own agency. At the time, believe it or not, I'm doing this podcast, your hit podcast, right? Back then, podcasts weren't the, the exploding industry that they are now. Not yet. It was just, you know, it was almost like a, a last resort for us. It's a last resort because they wouldn't give us a TV show together or an opportunity on television. Wouldn't give us a radio show together. And plus, sp space is finite. It's not like you just say, hey, here's your TV show. Sure. Here's your radio show. It's like space is finite. They wouldn't give us opportunities to showcase our chemistry. Um, 
And so we were like, well, I guess we'll go do a podcast. Not realizing we had to audition for that too. <laughs> so we auditioned for the podcast. Sharita Johnson gave us the green light. And even then, we did it the first few times. And I remember uh, even Sharita, as much as she supported us, she was like, you do that kind of podcast again, we're going to have to get it. We're going to we're gonna have to call this off. And I don't remember what we did. Maybe we were just goofing off, fucking around. I don't know what it was. I think I might have been talking about Beyonce's halftime performance at Super the Super Bowl, Bowl in, in New Orleans, Ravens 49ers. I think that was that, that Super Bowl, I think. Regardless, or maybe she sang the national anthem. Regardless, it was so off kilter, so off the beaten path. Again, this is not that long. This is 2013 or whatever year it was. ESPN was like, where's the sports? We were like, what do you mean where's the sports? Who cares? Again, we were doing shit that wasn't being done. Right. People weren't going off and talking pop culture, taking sports as a jumping off point just to get into pop culture. Not the way we were doing it. Um, and so then there was a rape case involving a, a high school football team in Steubenville, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got remember, deep. Remember that? And that's when we displayed the range that they were like, oh, uh, okay, there's something here. And so internally at ESPN, they started to really listen and pay attention to us. And that's when his and hers was kind of like this little underground thing within ESPN. We started really developing this, this, this audience that appreciated that we could be comedic and we could be deep at the same time. When so, I th- when so that's I think, when we really got a na- the when, brand really took off. Was when that? I think back on on my co-hosts, I can say, well, you know, I did this and she did that, and and this is the 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 way that we gelled and the reason why. We, so, what is the mixture for you? She's a little sillier. You're a no, little. No, we both can be silly. I'm sillier. Uh, she would say I'm cornier, <laughs> but she corny too. Don't low, low key. She corny too. Um, Come no, on, she's on there like drinking crazy stuff and eating stuff. Well, that you know what I would like, you know, I, exactly. But you know what, though? I would like to think I, not empowered, that's not the word. I think I brought that out of her a little bit. Okay. Because nothing she could do would ever make her cornier than me. <laughs> and so <laughs> okay. I will say I'm the cornier of the two of us. And so I think my silliness actually allowed her to tap into her sillier side as well. Also, too, just, I'm answering your question, but I also want to say, you know, before our show at ESPN that I'm aware of, or again, I would love for somebody to correct me if I'm wrong. There may have, there were other women who were commentators, respected commentators. I think of Jackie McMullen, who's, who mm-hmm. means the world to me. Mm-hmm. I think of Christine Brennan. But never had there been a show where the man and woman were on equal footing. Right. Daily. A daily show where the right. woman was as much the star as the man in terms of her opinion. Right. Usually the woman is a moderator or a point guard or setting it up and getting right. out the way for the man. Right. So that hadn't happened before. So I say that to say, I think also, and again, I don't want to speak for her, but I think through Numbers Never Lie and then when it was renamed His and Hers, I think Jamel ended up feeling more comfortable to be able to be silly as opposed to having to always, much like, you know, like if you're a black person and you're trying to make your way in this game you know, you realize that you have to establish a certain quote unquote credibility yeah. with the mainstream, and not just mainstream audience, but management, mainstream management, right? I think Jamel eventually got so comfortable in her own skin to where she could eat gross shit, where she could take a swig of a 40, to where she could, you know, and, and she could let out, she could loosen up a little bit as opposed to a time when she was trying to get a consistent presence on ESPN. Because her bona fides was was proven and accepted. Right. And- Whereas not that long before, before she got on Numbers Never Lie, I remember her telling me that she sat with a member of management who told her, we don't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. 
And then there was a point where they didn't know what to do without her, which is, you know, right. interesting turn of, of, of her career. So in other words, I'm saying like, there was a, you know, to add to the, the mix, it was, we were both hungry. We were both like trying to come up, trying to, you know, we were both climbing the same ladder, the same rung of the same ladder, just from afar at one point. So then we get together, realize we got this incredible chemistry. But I think the thing that, more than anything allowed for us to be as great as we were together is our mutual commitment to the product and to each other. Both of us were equally as committed to the details of the show and the desire to make the show as great as it can be. I felt like also we were committed. Let me just make this one other point. This is the more important point. We were committed to seeing the other one succeed. Mm. We were as invested in the other one being great as we were invested in our own greatness. I felt like, I mean, her passion for for sports in general was clear. And her passion would be relatively cool. And your passion would be- Yeah. Oh, yeah, Almost yeah. to a level of outrage. Yeah. Like, how, how could that person have done that? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. that game was so great. Yeah, it was definitely a fire and ice element to yes. us. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that didn't mean, that doesn't mean she couldn't get hype. Oh, and she got hype. But it, but it, but it was, I thought it, offered, it made for a good balance. Right. And also, too, on going back to the silliness thing, too, I remember, you know, there was one time I was, uh, was kind of emulating, I was kind of getting into character and emulating a sports figure or something, and I got carried away, and I threw a piece of paper and it hit her in the face. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that type of thing. Like, I kind of go too far. And you immediately apologize. Right, because I, I knew I fucked up. Whereas, it was in that moment that he knew. Like, And so, <laughs> but on the other hand, and like- she milked it, because it was like the next episode. Yeah. She came back. And, and she was hit me like, in the face with a pie. <laughs> And it's like, so, but, but at that moment, but that was kind of like the, uh, the personification of like, I kind of like, I was the dude that took shit too far, where she was kind of like the cool, calm, collected. She was the grown up, so to speak. Right. On a lot of these topics. So yeah, there was, there was Ex- definitely that vibe. And we played into it too. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was not that we were ever performing or putting on, but I also understood the brand. So I knew that the sillier I got, she, she picked up on that cue. We had so much unspoken communication when it came to. Hey, I'm you know I'm gonna take this far because I know how she's gonna react to this. I mean, it, like you know? a marriage, very much so. There was an ongoing conversation, very much so. Like I think about like the references to old boy, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, we've talked about him before. Correct. We don't, we don't talk about him every day, yeah. but every once in a while. We also didn't care if the audience. We also not didn't care, right? We assumed that the audience was there for that ongoing conversation, R- right? So like, if, if you were if you had never seen our show, you just tuned in and you heard me talking about old boy, and you didn't know what I was talking about with well, tough shit. <laughs> you should have been with us from. You should have been with us shooting in the gym. But we, you know, right? But we've been having this conversation. Correct. Where you we, been? Yeah. We know each other. And if you don't get it, we also assume that our audience was sophisticated enough. Yes. That they'd eventually pick up on it. Yes. So okay, the six. Yeah. So. Did it go well for a week, a month? Like how long was it? Was it was it popping? Uh so we had moments like I mentioned, a different world open, and the first show was like, "Hey, we just did our first show, but it was stressful still." But it was like, it "Was our first show?" I don't know. We had flashes. We had flashes. Some shows were better than others. Some segments were better than others. Some moments of laughter, of levity, or whatever. But I wouldn't say it was ever popping. Not the way. Look, look how much fun. Look at the, look at how you just said. Oh, I remember that. 
I remember that about his and hers. You ever had that? You ever had that did we ever do anything on Sports Center that made you say, "Oh, I remember that"? Well, I mean, some things. Like I, what? <laughs> what? What moment were you like, "Oh, I remember that on the six? Not, not quite the same. So I say that to illustrate that we never truly got a chance to be our full selves in that space, mm-hmm. and for a number of reasons. But initially, it was because it was culture shock on both sides, mm-hmm. because. You know, Sports Center, and, and on both sides internally, not just both sides of the camera in terms of us and the audience. So, Sports Center, they got a, a very established way of doing things, and so here we come, both in terms of style, but also approach, because on his and hers, we it was it was it was appropriately named his and hers because it was our show. Mm. That was our shit. Mm. That was our baby. Okay, we. We're responsible for every line of the rundown in ENPS to take you inside baseball. You being a TV guy, you know yeah. what that is. Yeah, People yeah, at home, that's the that's the application that 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 is used to put together to piece together a show. I mean, on my we, show, just every to, single just, piece, just to give you context. Yeah. on when I was doing the cycle, yep. the producer would which show you up. had a song. We were on his nurse. Thank you very There's much. No doubt. No, come on, I was like, we got to have Michael Jamel on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But the the producer would come and say, so this is what we're talking about today. Mm-mm. This happened in D.C. Mm-mm. This happened in Syria. You know, this new movie coming out. This is, so you figure out what you're going to say about, about this what we're rundown. talking about. No, it was the That's reverse. Normal. You this guys. This is what we're talking about today. Cut this video. Wow. This is who we want to have on. Wow. This is the order in which we're going to talk about it. This is how long we're going to talk about it. Okay. So the producer was taking direction from you. Yes. That's Even, so yes. rare in TV. Well, we, we, well, it. Even that, that was at his and hers. That was his and hers. But when you got to the six, it was different. So. Our expectation wasn't that it was going to be different. Right. We came in there like, so this is what we're doing. And they're like, well, this ain't how we do things here. Mm. And so there was some tension at the was beginning. Was the same production team that had it was run mixed. the previous? We brought some people with us, but they weren't in enough positions of authority. But the leadership really The leadership was, was, the leadership brought in their people to produce SportsCenter. From the previous leadership group. From was it Lindsay Zarniak before you? Yeah, I don't know if it was the it was. I don't know if it was the same staff, like, but I know there was a lot of people that were from the Sports Center silo. I mean, one thing is that with his and hers at a twelve o'clock, you can talk about yesterday's games. At six p.m., you can't talk about yesterday's games. No news. Most days, no news has broken during the day. Mm, but that wasn't a problem. For Usually, us. we were we were as current as anybody. Like. We, under, we weird, understood. 6 p.m. is oh, a weird oh, spot. It's, it's a, that's, that's why the sh- Torrey, that's why they t- tapped these two Negroes and asked them to come do the show. <laughs> you saying they gave you the chitlins? People, no, no, no. What I'm saying is people think we just bum rushed and held up the spot and be like, yo, we taking over Sports Center and ran amok. They asked us to do Sports Center because they needed to breathe life into that brand be- in part because not only, look, it was also a tough time across the board for linear television. Right. The, the you know, technology, streaming, lot news, right. Trump was on, on the way to being elected. Like, news was popping ratings-wise, right? And so, across the board, ESPN was struggling with ratings. But SportsCenter, they wanted, John Skipper, our president at the time, wanted to reimagine SportsCenter. He sees this brand, this 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 emerging brand on E2, these two people that like, oh, wait, they could be, this could be something here. Let's put them on, on SportsCenter. 
But part of the reason is to your point, and that's a very observant on your part, and you because you know the cycle, the new cycle, no pun intended, is that it's a weird in-between spot. Right. But that said, we always knew that we had to be first, not last on a topic. Now, if there was something that still has some legs at six, we'd certainly address it. But we were always the first on stories. And we were quick enough to adjust, and we did it at noon too. We were quick enough to adjust to what happened at 5.55 and put it in the show. So what was the first moment that you were like, ooh, like the first like real pothole in the road that was like, oh, that, that, that was a rough day? You know, I don't know if I could pinpoint one thing, but I could tell you it was probably day one, if not before day one. Probably was just in 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 meetings and discussions and rehearsals. You know, I, I'll tell you what it was. I'll actually tell you what it was. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the first it wasn't a moment or it wasn't on camera, but I'll tell you the first time we knew where this might not be what they told us it was going to be. Like we got the impression, both in terms of word and contract, that we would be able to come to Sports Center, do exactly what we were doing. On his and hers, we like, you sure? Like, y'all been watching what we talk about? You sure you okay? And, but also have significant say in staff, going back to that. We wanted a certain coordinating producer on our show. Didn't get her. Mm. They gave us another guy who I had a pretty good relationship with. Jamel didn't really know him in that spot. So in terms of basically to quote Bill Parcells, we were try we were cooking the meal, but we couldn't shop for the groceries. Shop for the groceries. And so when it came to the staff, and this is not this is not But the, you were doing the rundown, were you not? So they, the six. they don't I, they don't take kindly to talent telling them what to do. Mm. So going back to his and hers and numbers never lie. I gained that autonomy through attrition because at the beginning of numbers never lie. The producers didn't understand that the best avenue to success is to get out of the way and, and follow Michael's lead. Now, once they did, the show got good. Once they, and then when Jamel came aboard, the show really got good. And it was just, and then it became just me and Jamel and both of us took the lead and we were in lockstep and the stuff I was saying was being echoed by her and vice versa. They were like, okay, and then we had a producer named Wit Album. He's at FS1 now. He's my favorite producer I've ever worked with at ESPN because he understood that. Do what Michael wants to do. And so once we did that, his and hers became great. And it became, for my money, I'll take the Pepsi Challenge. This is the best show ESPN ever had. I'll take the Pepsi Challenge. It may not have been the most viewed. It might not have been the most, it might not have had the most longevity. It was hot. But couldn't nobody fuck with us. It was and hot. we knew that. It was hot. Nobody can fuck with us. Because there are shows still trying to do what we were doing then. It didn't It didn't translate to the six because... because in part, in part, and well, I'll tell you the other reasons why, but in part because SportsCenter's producers and the people who were trained in that area had a certain way of doing things. We tried to come in running shit. And so when there was tension when it came to just creative vision immediately, in terms of what we wanted to do in the show versus people trying to do it, like you said, in MSNBC, where it's like, hey, this is what we're talking about. Right. So there's just a difference of, of opinion. My, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to do a show that isn't just talent rotating in and out every day, but if you're going to do a show where it's 
with Michael and Jamel, then you probably should do what Michael and Jamel want to do. Yeah. Now, that said, it wasn't that big of a difference because we're journalists. We weren't crazy. Right. If the Lakers and Clippers are playing in an hour, we weren't trying to talk about what happened two days ago. Right. Like, we, we, are, we know how to put together shows. But they don't like being told what to do. As a, and, 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 and I wasn't in the business of trying to tell them what to do. I just wanted it done right. See, it wasn't our way or my way or the highway. It was there's a right and a wrong way. Shout out to Key Sweat. <laughs> and so when I was like, when I would step in and try to and, and, and get it done a certain way, it was because, and we had a, a relatively young staff, it was because in certain cases they were doing it wrong. Sorry. And I'm not here to sugarcoat shit. No. I'm not here to hold your hand. I'm not here to be nice about it. We try to get shit done. A rising, t- sorry, we, a rising tide floats all boats. Yeah. So don't get in your feelings or feel like, oh, you know, well, I, I got I, I, my performance review. I need to be able to produce this segment and this is my segment and I need to be able to get promoted to, to show producer and segment producer and coordinating producer. And, and it's in my idea. And I want, that's not what this is about. I don't care whose idea it is. I don't care who's right. Let's just do the right thing. And do it to the best of our abilities. And the rest will take care of itself. We'll all get promoted. We'll be the, we'll be, we'll be the Dallas Cowboys. All of y'all will get jobs off this show if we do it right. <laughs> the 90s Cowboys with Jimmy Johnson. Every assistant was getting head coaching jobs. No doubt. If we do this right, everybody, well, there'll be spinoffs galore. That's the goal. We want to be a place where not only talent, but producers came and grew. And, and people started plucking them off a successful product. Right. That's what we want it to be. But again... Talent there on Sports Center in particular, they're not accustomed to talent taking ownership of it. I mean, there's a general television bias against talent, talent in a way where it's like, you be the nice, pretty host. Correct. Right? Just we, read what we put in the prompter. Remember broadcast news? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like he, yeah. he real pretty. Yeah. And he can read the prompter. That's it. Just read what we Just put in the prompter. prompter. Just do what we tell you to do. And we, sometimes we would we would make fun of it. Like, we are the stupid hosts. All Correct. we know how to do is go get read you, Go get your little makeup and read what we put in there and shut up. <laughs> right. We'll we're, do the rest. We're the smart ones. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you guys are just Correct. the pretty ones. Correct. And so if you want to, like, run the show, it's like, whoa. But we're writers. But when- Jamel and I are writers first. We we were We were journalists, like- like print journalists. So when it comes to telling a story and organizing, you know how to do that's this. what we do. So when was it like, oh, we just had a car crash. Like that that was a bad day. And this is really going badly now. Okay, I could tell you one example. I don't know if it was the first time, but I'll say one example of something that we didn't handle very well and we should have done we should have done better, but it was like the first time we were like, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Um I think it was March of 17 or maybe April, something like that. I forget. Spring of 17. Massive layoffs at ESPN. A few yep. hundred people. Yep. Behind the camera and in front of the camera. Let go. Tough, real tough day. Because, I mean, this is Walt Disney. We, we, ESPN, we printing money. We ain't never had, you know, issues like that. We're tightening the belt or downsizing or streamlining. They might have touched other industries and other companies, but never ours. So it was a tough, emotional day. Also, quite frankly... A lot of people took it as an excuse because we were already a lightning rod. A lot of people on the internet and social media, which I should have shouldn't have paid as much attention to, but I did. I was young and dumb two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> took it as opportunity to make it about us. Right. Well, why didn't you fire these two? Right. Why did why why did they get to keep their jobs and X, Y, and Z still there? They should be fired. So that kind of like added to the emotion. So we got on the show. And remember I told you how we would dictate, 
not only what we were talking about, but how long on his and hers and that sort of thing. So we started SportsCenter with about a 13-minute, 13-minute dialogue about the layoffs. Uninterrupted, 13 minutes. And we just bore our souls. It was raw. It was personal. It was emotional. We didn't like cry, but like we just got into it. And I got into like, man, this must be, I relate to athletes differently now. Because like when a coach gets fired and it's their family, we just went in. Was there an on-air host who got cut who you were like, ah, really hurts to see Oh, there's lots of people. Oh, I, I can't, I mean, I don't remember exactly who was in that round of layoffs, but there was lots of people that we knew. Like, I've been, like, I left, I left last month. I was there 15 years, you know? Jamel was there for about 10 or, or, or maybe 12. I, I forgot what she got there. I got there in 04. She might have got there in 06. So probably, probably like by the time she left, which was, before me, so, dude, I, mean, I don't know, but basically we've been, we've seen a lot of people come and go. We got close to a lot of people. Yeah. So it hurt us, but also too, is just, again, we were in the midst of it because we were still getting kind of like dragged into it. So it was just a, but 13 minutes on anything is not good television. Very long. Let alone self-serving television where it's about us, where we assume people care, but not really. And so that was a moment where we had to get called into the office and like, that's not what we're looking for here. We might've gotten away with that on his and hers. But when we got on SportsCenter, I remember asking, because one of the things I knew was going to happen, I knew was going to happen. I knew that there was going to be some false advertising involved and people were going to be pissed. In other words, if on a Friday McDonald's is serving hamburgers, but on Monday they start serving pizza, it's going to be a problem at McDonald's. <laughs> Soul food. On a, it, that's even better. Thank you. Thank you. They start serving greens and black eyed peas on them. Like, the fuck? You know? So, like, this is, wait, what channel is this? Right. So, on a Friday, if it's highlights, and on Monday, it's fight the powers that be. Right. It's like, whoa. So, I wanted to rename the show Sports Center Presents His and Hers with Michael Smith or Sports or, or something that. That that made it clear this was not your grandfather's sports center that was coming on again. Right. And I was told, nah, man, sports center keeps the lights on. And the biggest takeaway from all of that is that there's ESPN, there's Sports Center, and there's everything else. Like Sports Center is the brand. If you fuck with the brand, you got a problem. And so it's like stuff like doing a 13-minute Back and forth on layoffs. It's like, eh, nah, nah, dog. Y'all got it twisted. It might have your name on it, but this is our shit. How much? How much? <laughs> y'all renting this show. We, y'all are on it. Y'all renting. <laughs> I mean, y'all squatting, actually. You're always renting on television. If you're talent. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, how, much, how much just straight up racism were you seeing? People, maybe inside, definitely outside, saying, you Negroes should, you know, Keep your mouth shut and not and blah, 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 blah. A lot of it, as you know, is more subtle than that. Of course. It wasn't a whole lot of flat out, you know, you two porch monkeys and all. It, was, it wasn't a whole <laughs> lot of flat out. And at least, and I also, too, to be honest with you, on social media in particular, I had to kind of insulate myself from it after a while because I was getting too distracted by a lot of it. A lot of it is presumed. And, you know, the thing about racism is white people like to make you feel like 
you're in the wrong mm-hmm. for recognizing their racism. Of course. <laughs> racism? It's, not, it's got nothing to do with you being black. Like, what, do you, like, what do you mean it's got nothing to do with you being black? Like, come on. I, I, why are you bringing race into this? Right. Motherfucker, because you're being racist. Right. And I know it, and you know it, and don't insult my intelligence. Don't be even more racist by insulting my intelligence. And that's, is, that's an inside-the-building conversation? That's a That's a viewer more internet conversation inside the building nobody actually said any out and out racist shit but they're just subtle let's just call it a cultural disconnect Mm. ain't even have to say anything it's just cultural disconnect but here's the thing though man whether it was racism or not and i've come to realize this and understand this is that it just was the wrong place in the wrong time and the wrong time frame number one if i had to do all over again and by the way, let me just say right here and now, and I appreciate you know the questions, and I and I have no problem revisiting this. But I want to say right here and now, I am thankful for how everything went down. I'm glad everything went down exactly the way it did, and we'll get back to that later if we have time. But let me just say this part about what I would have done differently to answer your question about the out now racism, because look, in Trump's America, maybe people just didn't want to see two black people being unapologetically black on television, regardless, and I think that has a lot to do with our demise. No, we were being unapologetic. You know something that dawned on me the other day that I didn't, I, I can't believe I didn't even think about this. You know something that dawned on me? Just dawned on me the other day as I was thinking randomly. So when we first got there, we had so much autonomy or what we thought was autonomy. We had, we decorated the set with, mm-hmm. we populated what's mm-hmm. called populated the North wall with personal pictures or pictures of sports icons. Mm-hmm. Three pictures in particular, I'm like, oh, wow, I bet you that pissed a lot of people off. I bet you we had white folks mad with three pictures in particular. One, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Mm-hmm. At the Olympics. 1968 Olympics, Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And two other pictures were pictures of both individual pictures of me and Jamel and our significant others, her soon-to-be husband, my wife, with President and Mrs. Obama in the White House. Now, for us, I don't know about Jamal, I can't speak for her, but for me, I was just proud of that picture. No doubt. The president used to listen to his and hers. No doubt. I, have, I know that the president listened to his and hers and watched his and hers. It's crazy. Okay? We, we, we were cool with, 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 with Barack. I call him Barack. Y'all call him Mr. President, I call him Barack. It's crazy like, yeah, we, right we, now. Like, he, he knew us. He checked for us. Like, like Mrs. Obama asked me how, my time, how was I feeling after my time selected me when I missed like a month's worth of shows. Wow. When I, when I saw her at the White House. So, I was just proud to have met the president and his wife. It just dawned on me that I'm more than sure people, some people perceive the, the presence of those pictures as some kind of statement of defiance, defiance, resistance, and disrespect to the current president. Mm. When I certainly didn't intend it to be that way. I mean, like, fuck that guy and everything. But like, I didn't, I didn't, that was not the purpose of the presence <laughs> of those pictures. Like that was, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't what I was trying to, that was what I was going for. But that what but that's I guarantee you people perceive it as how disrespectful because obviously President Obama, both in principle and policy, is the antithesis of the current occupant in the White House. Totally. But that wasn't why I put that up there. I put it up there because like, I got a president with, with, with love. the president. It's love. I mean, it's, it's an honor. If I had happened to take a picture with George Bush, I maybe I wouldn't have, but I maybe would have put the picture up there. I wouldn't have the picture in the first place, but if I had one, maybe I put but it up there. But that's the whole thing. You wouldn't have that picture. Because I wouldn't. We wouldn't have been invited. Right. But if, let's say that I did, maybe I put that up there because it was just a picture. It was us. It was pictures of us from our skits. It was, it was about us. And so my point is, there's 
I think there was a cultural disconnect both with the viewer and with management in certain spots, and especially when there was a change in management. But, but let me answer this. I know I'm rambling, but if I could have done something differently, we should have stayed in the lab longer. I feel like we rushed on the air. We were rushed on the air. Our last his and hers was November 16. We were on the air by February 17. Get up was in, they, they were working on get up for like two years. High noon, they were working on high noon. They, like other shows took their time to figure out what they want to do and rehearsed and, and, and trial and error behind the scenes. We were rushed on the air and we did a disservice to the viewer in that on a Friday, it was regular da-da-da, On Sunday, you got two people on TV I mean, treating it, the six o'clock sports center like a daytime talk show. Yeah. And the viewer needed to be eased into that. That was a, that was his poor decision making collectively. I mean, sports center has always been, yeah, we're going to give you personality in, in doses. T- today is Stuart. Tomorrow is Dan. Yes. Then it's Chris. Yes. You never know who you're going to get. Linda. Yeah. Linda, but it's flipping. Like, Scott, our, fir- but, like but, our first show. But every the- single day. It's, so it's the same personality every day. Well, for the most part. But there were also times when there were certain consistent personalities in certain time slots. I mean, the big show with Keith and Dan, I believe, was at six with Dan Patrick. I, th- I think it was six o'clock. But, you know, uh, Rich Eisen and Stuart Scott had regular time slots. Like even now, Stan and Neil, you know, do the overnight late night sports well, center from L.A. That, that's a little different. So, yeah. but no, but yeah. I mean, like it, they've had, it's not about just the fact they were consistent people. It's that we came on and just giving our opinion. And then it was, we're talking to, I think it was James White, MVP of the Super Bowl that year. And then we're talking to Isaiah Thomas on the couch. It was, it was, it was, it was Ellen DeGeneres show at six. Right. I'm like, what is this? I'm curious. Just thinking so we back just should have, we should have, uh, we should have sprinkled those things in over time, so as not to shock I, the viewer. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious as to just your schedule. Mm-hmm. What time did you get in? Uh, I usually got in about. I probably got on campus probably about nine, ten, something like that. We would meet at twelve, but even before I got in, we were always on the clock. Because again, I felt like, and this is the difference with what they wanted talent to be. Versus what we were. We never stopped thinking about the show. It's not just what time I got in. It's, it's what time I let everybody go home. Because so I was late- calling meetings that went until 7.30, 8 o'clock um, after the 6 o'clock sports center ended. So about you, what we did wrong and what we were going to do You go right into a post-mortem right after the show. Every day. And talk about what you did wrong. And what we, could, what we did right, what few things we did right, and what we could do better tomorrow. What and, we're going to do tomorrow. And when did, you, when did you start planning the next day? That night or the Immediately. Next, next day? Immediately. That night. That night. Because even though, again, we talked about the time slot is tricky, so that night, those, that night's events didn't necessarily lend themselves to right. 6 o'clock the next day, there still might be something that happened that would have some carryover. Or it might just be a, a general tweak that we want to make to the execution of the show. Did you look at the ratings all the time? Never looked at ratings. Really? I don't Good be- for you. I don't believe in ratings. Good for you. Because they told you the ratings. Um, sometimes. And we were made aware of the narrative that our ratings were a problem. I, I use those words very intentionally. I don't, I don't like ratings for a couple of reasons. One, I don't like that in my head because I don't... I think that's a there's a false confirmation of that you're doing something right or wrong. Right. Because like there were shitty shows that rated high. You have and, and great shows that didn't rate. You don't have a direct relationship to the ratings. It's not like if I work hard, then it will be better. If I do this, it will be. be- two thirds of it has nothing to do with you. 
right? You're leading and that- What time you're taking breaks? That particular day's news flow and then also you, right? Now that said, there are people more sophisticated than me on this subject who would probably beg to differ. Also, ESPN loved to tout an increase in ratings when we were gone. Mm. They loved to, to tout that. Now, to me- Another reason why I don't like ratings is I just feel like if you do great television, the ratings will come. I also, but I, but, and so being consistent with that philosophy, I believe it's an oversimplification to say that Sports Center is better because Mike and Jamel were gone. I think they're doing things differently. Yeah. Maybe they're doing things that are better served or a better form of serving the fan in that time slot. That may be true, and I recognize that. Maybe 6 o'clock, maybe the, maybe the ESPN consumer was so used to seeing a certain type of show at 6 that whether it was racism, sexism, whatever it is, our style of television in that slot just wasn't what they were looking for. And that may be fine. That's fine. And, or not may be fine. That's fine. That may be the case. What I'm saying is to the people, and it, again, it's a certain segment of people, whether it's, uh, physical persuasion or political persuasion. There's a certain segment of people that love to say the show got better when y'all left, but I don't think it's as simple. I know it's not as simple as us leaving. There are other factors involved. Other factors. No, no, no different than there are other factors. If the show is successful than just the people on camera. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of survivor 45 d Vyadaris, will be joining us every week we're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me a survivor winner Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. We'll get back to the show in a second, but it's the season to elect benefits through your workplace. 
Most people know open enrollment as decision time for healthcare coverage, but it's the perfect moment to reassess your life and your life insurance needs. To properly provide for your family, you need 10 times the life insurance coverage you get through your jobs. Your employer is leaving you uninsured, people. That's where Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for a life insurance plan that's not tied to your job. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. And they handle all the paperwork and the red tape. You get the good stuff, the ability to sleep at night because you know you and your family are covered. God forbid anything happens. The life insurance you buy through Policy Genius stays with you even if you leave your job. So that's a good thing. And Policy Genius doesn't just make it easy to get life insurance. They also can help you find the right home and auto insurance. Look, when you're looking at your workplace benefits this month, double check your life insurance options. Make sure you're getting the best possible thing. And then go to policygenius.com to get quotes and apply in just a couple of minutes. Because Policy Genius is the easiest way possible to compare and buy life insurance, which allows you to sleep at night. Because when you have good life insurance, you know if anything should happen to you, everybody you love is taken care of. So if we're telling the history of the show, yep. and I want to say, is is there a big benchmark before the tweet that we should talk about or given what we've talked about is it like that's the next chapter no i think i'll i'll kind of get ahead i'll answer that and get ahead i think it's a it's a, a another oversimplification to think that the tweet was the reason why the show was not taken the reason off. Not or, at or, all. Even, or even just a big deal in the history of the show i mean it kind of it kind of accelerated the process but the show the the show from the beginning, looking back, I didn't know this at the time because I thought here I want to say this earlier. I'm glad you I thought that even when in our early struggles that we would work through it. Because contractually and in terms of what was told to us, there was a commitment to seeing this through. Okay. So I thought, okay, we're not we're struggling, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. We got time to figure this out. Like I may have, and this was so fucking obnoxious. I may have even said on the air. Because I was so fired up at the shit that we were getting online. I may have even said on the air, we're going to be here for three more years. Because we had a, a guarantee of three four years. Year deal. We had a four-year deal, but a guarantee of three years on SportsCenter in our contract. And so I was like, yeah, we're going to be up. fucking obnoxious is that. <laughs> I even, I, but, I, but I was just so like, I was just so like on, on, I was so defensive. I mean, we were getting a lot of shit from people. And I, like, I know what we can do. I know how hard we work. I know how, I know how good we are. Trust me, nobody's a harder critic on me or us than I am. So I like no, I, I, I'm sorry. There's, you're not going to tell me that this is bad when I see every I see people doing what we do. I know we're talking. This is, no, this is there's something else going on here. Whether it's just whether it's race or just our 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 society's desire just to rip. Because also too, we got way over promoted. Mm. I I can't even listen to Rob Bass and Easy Rock. It takes two no more. <laughs> our commercials ruin that song for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, if I see our commercial one more time. Like, we were built up. Like, we were going to come in and reinvent the wheel. Right. Like, we were going to re- reinvent sports, sports center and sports coverage in general. Right. Just too much. So, you know, nowadays, if you think about it, the more stuff gets hyped, the more people are in a rush to be like, that sucks. Right. We got way too much hype. Right. Um, so, anyway, so it, I thought we were going to be able to work through it. It was pretty clear that ESPN was not built to take that kind of heat that they were getting. Or they didn't understand. We knew. They didn't understand what was going to come with putting two black people on TV at 6 o'clock 
on SportsCenter and letting them be unapologetically black. They didn't know what was coming and they weren't prepared. They weren't built to handle it. Okay. But the real difference in the show came when it was a management, a leadership change, or not a leadership, a management change. There's a difference, a management change. And I think it was like, you know, and John Skipper's resignation was really the end because John Skipper was the guy that put us there and he was the guy that, you know, was our champion, our advocate, whatever you want to call it. Look, man, it happens in sports all the time. It happens in every walk of life, but I'm speaking in sports because I live, I work in sports. It's like, okay, this, this, this general manager drafts this player, this quarterback in the first round, and this head coach builds a system around that quarterback. Well, they don't win, and two years later, they get fired. A new general manager comes in. That's not our guy. We didn't draft him. We're not hitching our wagon to your mistake. <laughs> I mean, look. You know, you it's, know, it's life, I, right? I, I've, I've, I've lived it in television. Yeah. And all the good TV jobs I had, yeah. there was a big leadership change. And then I felt it and other people down felt like, you know, the new leader was like, enough of you. We're going to try. Because like you said, you don't get credit for doing things that the previous guy put Correct. on. Correct. You get credit for your innovations. Yes. And I've been here. And not here. just that. You also are not about to to, to lose your job. Right. For his mistakes. Because of people that somebody else put. So, and also just creatively. The new management had a different vision of what they thought Sports Center should be. And that's that's fair. So I was it frustrated me because it wasn't what I signed up for. Because I never wanted to do that kind of sports center. So did the new management tell you you gotta do things different? Um told us, but more important more than told us, just started implementing. I mean, the, the day the day that that North Wall I told you about that was populated with our pictures, one day it had our pictures, the next day it was plain, it was generic. You came in and it was just blank. Well, not blank, but just like, yeah, just generic. Just with, And you, you had know, not been told that the set is going to be changed. No. And you were like, where's our pictures? Yeah. That was probably, that was the first signal that like, uh, yeah, it was new sheriff in town. His name is Reggie Hammond. So yeah, it was like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, party's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, and it was like, it was just a different vision, a different way of, of wanting to do it. And so if I, another regret that I have, I was very frustrated because his and hers was my baby, our baby. The six was our grown up baby. And my work product was being doubted and questioned and 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 if it, and if and if the show wasn't as good as it could have been i did not believe it was because of me and jamel's chemistry which we've talked about mm-hmm. which is the best in all of television mm-hmm. it wasn't because of our ability cuz i'm sorry they ain't giving two black people them jobs off because of our good looks cuz we cute <laughs> i mean we earned that shit twice over right right so i'm like it's not good it's not as good as it can be because of factors that have nothing to do with us or perception or a narrative that has nothing to do with, with, with our work. It's like, and then now we're being told to do a show that we never asked to do in the first place. <laughs> we ain't asked to come here. Y'all asked us to come here and you paid us handsomely to do this. No doubt about it. Right. But it's like, I didn't want to do traditional sports center. So my regret, this is what I started saying is my regret is that I think I know that I let my frustration affect my professionalism at times. Like, you talked about on you, the air. Yeah. You recognize my, it wasn't blatant and, yeah. and I don't think the average person noticed it, 
but you recognize it as somebody who's watched me that my my energy is high. Yeah. When we were doing the traditional run of the mill sports center, and not the show that we wanted to do, you if per, somebody who knew me could sense my frustration. Yeah. Yeah. And that's unacceptable. You were not as loose and fun yeah. as you were as, at his and hers. You could tell I was pissed. I, yeah. wore, I wore my emotions on my, my sleeve. Well, and, I don't want to get ahead. Yeah, that's but, right. But after, when you were alone up there, yeah. I could definitely see, like, this is not the guy I know. This is not the guy I like watching. It's not the same. Well, because I'm co-hosting with the biggest elephant in the history of television as my co-host. The biggest elephant in the room in the history of television was my co-host for those two weeks. Because ain't nobody, ain't nobody ever done television with the president <laughs> talking about the talent on the television. Ain't nobody done that before. Well, let's let's not this, not in this time. I mean, come on. And I'm not saying like old. I've been. I'm not saying I've been persecuted more than anybody else in history. But I'm saying this is a unique set of circumstances that are unprecedented because we're living in unprecedented times. Vis a vis the behavior of this president. Well, when the so so the tweet drops. I mean, it was not an unusual tweet for what. All sorts of people like myself and others were saying it was not a unique. She said water was wet. Yeah, it was not a unique sentiment. Right. Others had said that. Correct. But for some reason, for her, it blew up. Yeah. How did that come down on your desk? So how did it come down on me? Well, first of all, I mean, we were jo- we were we were joined at the hip. We were his and hers. We were, we were one and the same. So at what point did you realize, like, oh, people are taking that that seriously? Well, from the very beginning, I mean, it was, it was, I was like, okay, you know, I was like, and I'm like, and also too, I, I still feel like way more people have focused on the act of hitting send on that tweet than the sentiment of that tweet right. and the accuracy of the tweet. And like right. you said, thought that I thought that was a given. Thought we all knew this, right? That's who you elected, right? He was a white supremacist with the Central Park Five. He was a white supremacist when he came down the escalator stairs. He'd been a white supremacist since he got in office, right? So now we, now now this is a thing now. And other people had said that and written about it, yeah. But I think it's, I, but also too, you got to go back. Everything is in context. We were already a lightning rod, okay. We were already a, a punching bag. ESPN had fought this narrative. I'm gonna say since they gave Caitlyn Jenner the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs one year, mm. that we were a left-leaning organization that was too far into politics, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Also, this was the height of Colin Kaepernick's anthem controversy, anthem protest controversy, okay? This is a perfect storm of, 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 of events. It's Disney, it's ESPN, it's the narrative that we're left-leaning or they're left-leaning and, and, and political, which left-leaning is code for you got too many black people and women on television talking. That's code for that. That's what that means. Is it? Yes, it is. Because I mean, I, I, I felt there was, we a, didn't have any left-leaning or liberal policies. But we I, thought there was a, I thought there was a liberal bias in the general conversation of ESPN. I didn't- I What didn't do you mean, mean the general conversation of ESPN? Like oh the conversation being had on ESPN yeah like by whom? Like, like like just the general anchors by whom would what anchors black and black people and women <laughs> it's like it was John Skipper's mission was to diversify the talent on ESPN right so if there's a Colin Kaepernick conversation and Michael Smith's having that conversation what perspective is Michael Smith gonna take right if Will Kane's having that conversation. What perspective is Will Kane going to take? Right. So if there are more, if there are a lot more Michael Smiths and Jamel Hills and Sarah Spain's talking about issues where sports and society intersect, then there's going to be a, a much more of a liberal viewpoint 
being espoused. It doesn't mean that that's the company stance. It doesn't mean that there's not conservative opinions. But Greeny happening. is lefty. Greeny, we don't know what we don't know what Greeny is. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, yeah, I, and that's intentional. Yeah, because he ain't he's not waiting in those waters. He's not waiting in those waters. So whether he's liberal or conservative, he ain't. I would. I okay. I would have thought that he had said some things that would be lefty. I would have. Ex- I will. I will. I'll split it this way. When it comes to talent, when it comes to the talent who expressed opinions, I'll split it this way. There were those of us who were willing to take stances, and other people wanted to stick to sports. Okay. So I don't know what their political affiliation was, but they weren't built for that. Okay. And that's fine. That's everybody's personal choice. But what I'm saying is, it wasn't just we got on this because I'm saying I'm going back to the context of why the tweet was so explosive is that ESPN, whether it was the Caitlyn Jenner situation or how diverse our talent, um, our on-air talent got or Kaepernick or how that was covered, all of it, or, or just how cozy we were with the previous president. Previous mm-hmm. president was a huge sports fan who filled out his bracket on our air and mm-hmm. we did a mm-hmm. town off from HBCU with him. Mm-hmm. We had the undefeated. It's all kinds of things going on that I think was kind of like this buildup of this narrative and the tipping point was the tweet. So I think it was that. Also, you're talking about a black woman, which we know black women are targets when it, in general, but especially by this occupant of the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think the reaction to it it was like, well, if I recall correctly, I may get the details wrong. It was like, well, here's a statement, you know, and we're not going to, we're not, I'll, we're not going to punish her, which ended up being more of a controversy because then you had the lynch mob was out, you know, in terms of like, okay, wait a second, you know, she needs to be fired. So it became a bigger deal. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was a perfect storm of events. So again, I, I, I think the what's substance- going, What's going on inside your- My head? Your bunker, your offices of oh. like, the president is talking about us, Sarah Sanders is talking about us, now the country's talking about surreal. us. It was surreal. It was surreal. Like to have the president, I think, what was, what was I even called him the president. He never was, he never was the president for mm-hmm. Um yeah, early on, I never called him that. I would always call him. I would always call him the, the dude in the White House, um, <laughs> the resident. Yeah, exactly. I like. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that before. The resident. Uh, that's why you get to pay the big bucks. Uh, yeah, um, oh, come on now. No, uh, the it was just like, wait a minute. I think what was the tweet? It was something like with Jamel Hill at the mic. Uh, the wonder ESPN's ratings. I'm like, are you serious? Like. This is really happening. Like Sarah Sanders is really on at the at the podium. Like this is really happening about not just our network, but like if there's a drive-by and I'm walking next to you, I'm probably gonna get hit. Chances of me not get take get taking a bullet is gonna, so it's like I'm 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 right there. Like that's us. Our brand was intertwined. So even when a subsequent set of tweets got Jamel suspended. It's like, I'm, this is both of us. And so it kind of felt like, it just felt like there was this, this, this tension, this, 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 this heaviness, this weight. It was hard to go to work and to operate as normal. And then on top of that, it wasn't long. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, again, I'm 40 now, my memory's going. If I'm not mistaken, the same week that she got suspended, John Skipper resigned. Mm. So I show up to work. I'm like, I'll be damned. I'm like, if it ain't one thing, it's another. So it was, it was, it was a crazy time to have to go to work. And so, you know, I don't, but I, but I was, 
I had no choice but to to soldier on because I'm like, what I'm gonna do? Like, I'm gonna sit for two weeks. But the, was there a day that you refused to go out? I get way more credit than that than, for that than I should. Like, I mean, okay, it was, it was nice, and if, if I'm some if I'm, if I'm some symbol for standing by the black woman, I'll take it. But I'm like, what else was I supposed to do? You know, it's like one, we are aligned as friends. Two, we are aligned in sensibilities. Like, to me, how does it look if I go out there and do the show? What's that look like? But also, too, just, they sent her home at 3 o'clock. It's about to be 6. What are we doing? <laughs> they sent her home at 3? That first day for the first tweet. 6 o'clock. What are, we, what, what are we doing? What time did the tweet drop? I don't remember, but it was like throughout the day there were discussions and they sent her home in the afternoon. I'm like, wait, what are we doing here? So, so in that day you said I'm not going I said, out? I'm not, I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not doing the show without her under, under these circumstances. I'm just not. Like, I'm not doing the show. And so they ended up, you know, calling um, calling a couple other anchors who said, no, we're not doing that. Because they called two other black anchors. And they rightfully said, so. they were like, we ain't doing that. For the same reason Michael ain't doing it. <laughs> so we ended up doing the show. And that story got out, which added to the fuel to the fire. Because now it's like, oh, the, in- the inmates running the asylum. You oh, they think they running it. We ended up doing the show, so they let they her come back. They brought her back to do, yeah, we did the show that evening. That's Under epic. those circumstances. That's epic. Again, what time surreal. did she come back? I don't know. Oh, it's it, epic. At three p.m., you're starting to like dog. get your head on, Bruh. maybe get your makeup done. Like and you got to go to the, leave and then come back. The amount of days that I did television under less than optimal circumstances, like I said, and I, listen, I I got paid a lot to do it, and that's and I had a contract. And it was my job. So when she got suspended for two weeks later on, I'm going on there. Doing a show knowing that every that a lot of people are tuning in for the train wreck. Mm. They're not tuning in for the sports. They're not tuning in for me. They're tuning in because they know she's suspended. Did the ratings go up in that period? There were some days, I believe, where the ratings were higher. But I don't, even if, even if they were up every day. They weren't better shows than we could have done together. No, of course. Now, and maybe, maybe people, but, and are people that twisted to where they tuned in? I don't know. To, I was wondering to, to, to see if you actually saw the evidence of people were tuning in to see the train wreck. If that's well, real, if, I, or you I, just no. Felt well, like I that. mean, I, there were some days where the ratings were better, and I'm sure some of the reason if they were better was because of that. Maybe it was because they were just happy that she wasn't there. But I'm just right. saying, if you did tune in, you knew what was going on. And I think a lot of people tuned in that weren't necessarily regulars. I think they were tuning in because they were like, oh, we just, she got suspended. Let's see if he's there. What's he going to say? You know, how they going to, right. you know, they got the chair covered in black. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's right, just my right. point is it became this elephant in the room. You know, that again, it's a show with Michael and Jamel. Like at that point, she's a household name. Right. She's right. on newscasts everywhere. Right. She's on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. So it's like, Michael and Jamel, Jamel ain't there. It's a two-person desk, and I'm by myself. And the show, we we couldn't even, we were still struggling to get the show right with two people. So now I'm trying to execute the show alone and just figure out the the flow of the show. Would you, you know? Would you say it was never the same after that moment? Oh, for sure. On every level, it was never the same. Yeah, it was just a it was just a matter of time. And I was naive thinking that, you know. 
I could make it work or or we could make it work together or or whether it was me and Jamel together or the the network we can make it work or or I could work by myself it was like it was we were done we were done we, but again we were we were already done before that as we knew it now if we'd have got with the program let's say the tweet never happened and we'd have got with the program and we were going to just do sports center the way they the new regime wanted it done I don't know. I mean, it might've been too far gone by then. I don't know if there was any putting that toothpaste back in the tube. If the viewer was ever going to give us a second chance to make a first impression, so to speak. Of course, of course. So I don't know that we were ever going to be able to do start over and be like, okay, wait, 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 let me do over. Here's your highlights. Here's your day baseball highlights. I don't think that was actually going to happen. And so, um, but again, like I said, that tweet and that whole thing, and and again, she didn't get suspended for the, the Trump tweet. She got suspended for Cowboys tweets when advertisers got pissed. So that just accelerated the process of getting us up out the paint. Did she pull you aside and say, okay, I'm done. I'm walking out. Yeah. I, we, Jamel and I talked about everything all the time. So it was pretty clear. You talking about after she got suspended? No, I'm talking about the end. Of her tenure, because she lost oh, Sports Center. Yeah, because she walked yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. no, she, she she never did. She never did anything without talking to me, and vice versa. So you saw it coming. Like I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this. Well, she came back a different person. And How I don't, did she I don't come mean back? a different Jamel. Yeah, I mean she came back. She came back kind of like I feel right now, which is unplugged from the Matrix. When she got suspended, I think she she realized that this place isn't for me. On a lot of levels, not for me in terms of what I want to do, but not for me in terms of protecting me. Standing behind me. Yeah. And so um, when she came back, I mean, she was, you know, not not checked out. She still did her job. But just like you said, you saw a different me on the air. Mm-hmm. She was different in terms of the job. It wasn't like, it was almost like a relationship where it's like, we may not be divorced, but this is over. Yeah. I don't love you anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. And that wasn't toward me. I'm sorry. That was toward the show, right. the whole operation. Right. That's how she felt. And so we were so aligned that, and so we were so aligned though, if she wasn't into it, I couldn't pull it all by myself with her there. Like if I wanted to like, so they started to minimize, the producers started to minimize the amount of time we would interact to almost nothing. But I was like still looking for pockets where we could debate and discuss like old times. I was trying to like figure out, well, can we get 30 seconds here or a minute here, whatever? She was like, I ain't here for that. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? She was, she was done trying. I'm stubborn like that. You know, I was still thinking, oh, we could, let's, let's, let's make this work. We could still, we could still strike a balance here. Dumbass. Like we can still figure out how to make this work. No, it was, it wasn't meant for it to work. It wasn't meant for it to work on sports center and it, and I come to realize it wasn't meant for it to work in the grand scheme of things. And I'm glad it didn't because I am in a much better place than I would have been had it worked or had ESPN tried to make it work or been committed to make it work with, with just me once she decided to leave sports center. Well, when did she come to you or when did she call you? I assume she called you. No, we talked in person. And she said, "Talked in the makeup room, if I recall correctly. She was she was going to ask for to be off a of sports center. Yeah, you talking in the makeup room? So there's other people there? No, it was just us, just two of us. I mean, it was like a side makeup room. Like it wasn't like okay, it was like a side makeup room. But no, it was just and two she's of us. Like, she I'm was, not, I'm, I can't she was like, yeah, I'm about to go have a meeting and, and talk about being off sports center. Just want to let you know that sort of thing. I was like, yeah, I, I'm cool. That's fine. And, and I was you, like, I, I guess you, you saw it coming. 
Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Well, yeah. I was like, <gasps> I didn't clutch my pearls. No. <laughs> I wasn't surprised. Yeah, no. Was like, I mean, but like I said, for all intents and purposes, she left long before that. For all intents and purposes. Did I say something wrong? No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Oh, oh. Um, so when does it when does it end for you? March 9th, 2018. And like when they were like, uh, you got to get up out of here. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. <laughs> They told you that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I listen, I, and on, and on March 9th, you know what that date is, and nobody else knows what that date is. You do. <laughs> My last show, I got in every Biggie reference I could on every story. I quoted every song possible from Ready to Die, Life After Death. I dropped every Biggie reference I could on my last show. I went out with a bang, if I may say so. That was a damn good show. Um, probably it was, you know, I was a good show because I was free. And everybody told me they could sense like a sense of relief that it was almost like I was being put out of my misery. You said you feel unplugged from the matrix now. What do you mean? I mean, just, I, I, I grew up at ESPN. Literally. I got there when I was 25 years old. I spent 15 years at ESPN. It's, it's, it's almost all I know. I had a cup of coffee at the Boston Globe. I was there for three years. Um, I can now, I now see that there is a world outside of ESPN. There is a paradigm apart from the ESPN paradigm. I I realize that there is life after. Not that I didn't know it before, but it was more like, okay, going with the Matrix thing, it's like, you know, I know that there's something else. You know, I I you know, it's, I I know like like when Morpheus was telling Neo, like, you know that there's something wrong with the world as you know it. You know, that's why you sit at your computer all night. You know, it's why you came in and you followed the white rabbit. You know something. You've been searching for me because you know something else is is out there. It's like I knew something was out there, but I couldn't quite touch it. And now that I'm free, I'm like, oh, man, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like I'm energized in a way that I was never energized before. And I couldn't be energized before because I was an agent of the system. I was at their mercy. I my I was. You know, it's like, you think that's air you're breathing? I'm really going deep with this Matrix thing because once upon a time, my favorite, like, you think that's air you're breathing? Like, you know, the Matrix is a system and that system has rules. You have to understand that certain rules can be bent. Others can be broken. I was at ESPN. I was was limited by their imagination, their vision, their agenda, their infrastructure, their personnel. So my potential, I don't even feel like I've tapped into my potential at 40 years old because I've been in that box. It's a hell of a box. It's a big, pretty box. I mean, if you're a lucrative box, if you're a sports guy, that's the zenith, right? Because that's what the matrix tells us. Because that's what the code is. That's what we're, you know, it, it's it's an amazing place to work. It's an amazing company. It's an. I had an amazing thirteen years, and I counted all joy. Even the last two years, I was there. It was good that I was afflicted. Like, I'm good with what happened at the end, and I'm great with the previous 13 years. I mean, amazing relationships. There are amazing people that work there. You don't be you don't become the behemoth without being a great place to work and a great company, an innovative company. But I, especially now, there is, they're not the end-all, be-all. They're not. You can find happiness, success, fulfillment, peace, prosperity, it's all out there if you if you if you actually pull the fucking wires out. It's all out there. 
And I'm and I'm I'm only two weeks into it. I'm like, oh, and everybody told me like, yo, when you get to the other side, you're gonna feel differently about it. So Ray, if I'd have had this in, look, bring people inside our relationship, you've been asking me to do this podcast for how long? Over a year. Couldn't do it. On several levels, I couldn't do it. Wasn't about to fuck up the bag, number one. <laughs> number two, obviously, again, I can't do anything without their permission as an employee of ESPN. Number three, and the reason I said I wasn't about to mess up the bag is because I was not mature enough and I wasn't healed enough to have a mature conversation about it. Mm. Like I have, like to quote the great American poet, Eddie Vedder, I see things clearer now that that's in my rearview mirror. Okay. So now that I'm gone, I can see what the purpose was because the purpose in it going so badly at the end. The purpose in it all going to shit. The purpose in me being this 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 partly self-imposed or partly, you know, mandatory limbo that I was in for a while. The purpose of it was it had to end badly. So now I'm going to go to Matrix Reloaded. What happened happened and couldn't have happened any other way. Mm-hmm. When they went to the elevator and left the Merovingian, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, had to happen that way. Because the only way I leave that relationship I had to get cheated on. I had to get dogged. Otherwise, well, the sex is okay. You know, we got kids. <laughs> you know, we got a house. We've been together for a while. I know him. I ain't trying to get out in the dating game. I know her. I ain't trying to get out in these streets. I'm too old to be in a club. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I, I can't go back in the game. We got bank accounts and all. I ain't trying to go through no divorce. Maybe we could just sleep in separate rooms. I don't know. We'll make it work. That would have been me maybe for the next 15, 20 years, making that kind of money with that kind of platform, that kind of security at ESPN. Who leaves ESPN? Willingly, right? But when it became clear that there was no future for me there or no growth potential, I mean, could I could I have stayed? Maybe. Look, I, I'm not even going to flatter myself and, and think they would have wanted me after my contract expired. They might be like, yeah, man, we're good. <laughs> it might have been, probably would have been. I don't know. But like, because it ended that way, it was clear to me that I had to move on. It forced me to move on. It forced me to step back and get off the hamster wheel and assess what it is that I wanted to do. Whereas if I'm sitting there just trying to make SportsCenter, you know, great every day, I don't think macro like that. So the man who is liberated mm-hmm. can do anything, what you going to do? What am I doing right now? Yeah. I'm working for myself. I am, work, I am the executive vice president and chief content officer at a startup company called Collaboratory, an equity partner at Collaboratory in Culver City, California. It's a studio at the intersection, uniquely positioned at the, inter, at the intersection of sports and entertainment. And that's due to our co-founders, one of which, Jamie Messler, co-founded the Players Tribune with Derek Jeter. She, was a, she represented athletes for years when she was at Excel Management. She's got deep relationships in the sports world. Basil Awanik, heavyweight Hollywood player, is the founder of Thunder Road Pictures. They made The Town. They made the John Wick franchise. They made A Star is Born. Uh, they made Sicario. So he's got deep connections and deep uh, roots in Hollywood. Greg Economou ran Ticketmaster, MSG, the Bobcats when they were the Bobcats before they became the Hornets again. Uh, He's our business finance impresario, <laughs> you know, and, and I come from more of a content creation background and a, and a, and a broadcast background. And so we about to get this money 
by taking this trend of athletes as content creators to the next level, whether that's providing them with guidance, infrastructure, development funds, um, support, being their production company of record, uh, helping their partnering with their production company, producing their individual products, and not just athletes, creatives of all kind. But you know, uh, athletes are are the are, are, there's a, there's an insatiable appetite for authentic, high quality sports content. So and I'm there's a, a bunch of buyers out there. If I'm an athlete or a retired athlete, mm-hmm. either one, I want to make a podcast. You want to make a podcast? You want a, a scripted series, an unscripted series? You want a full length feature film? Documentary, documentary, you name whatever. It. We, we we're here for it. You will fund it. Holler at me. Help me. We'll fund it. Well, in, 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 depending on the situation, we'll provide development funds for it. We'll provide infrastructure. We'll provide support. We'll produce it. We'll help you distribute it. All those different things. We 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 and we will partner with anybody, any athlete, any network. You know, somebody asked me earlier, how do I see ESPN now? I see him as a buyer. I see him as a potential buyer. For our content, I hope that's the plan. You know, there's there's no animosity, there's no animus when it comes to how I feel about that place because it freed me to move on and do something where I'm way more independent than I ever could have been. Like they might the show might have had my face on it or my name on it, but it wasn't mine. Now whatever I do, and I'm I'm an executive now, but I'm still talent. I'm still on air talent. Now whatever I do is going to be on my terms, and I'm gonna own it. I'm going to own the content. I'm going to get, I'm going to be an executive producer on whatever I do. I'm going to executive produce other people's things. I'm going to get producer credit and talent fees, you know? So I'm working in a whole new realm now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a businessman now, as opposed to being talent. That's at, again, that's just, I was told if you always talent, you could always be replaced. True. And so now I, you know, it's, look, it's not my company, but I'm helping. When Jamie came to me, she said, I want you to help me build this company from the ground up. (sighs) Basil was like, I want you to establish the creative culture of this company. You know? What is so, the culture you want it to be? Freedom, creative freedom, and collaboration. Like, collaboratory is not just a, a, a clever pun or a clever play on words. Like, that's the, you know, it's, it's a culture where even as executive vice president and chief content officer, somebody without a fancy title is empowered to keep it 100 with me to own a project, take the lead on a project, feel like they can bring their whole selves to work and create as, create just as much as I am. You know, our decision-making is, is collaborative. I, I may not have founded the company, but I'm in lockstep with Jamie Messler. I'm in lockstep with Basil. What do you see for yourself in front of the camera or in front of the mic? That's a great question. Um, so I'm not, you know what, Tori? I'm actually not in a rush to get back. The more I'm apart from it, the less I miss it. I got to a point where when I was out, I, it, it got easier for me. The routine was the hardest thing to be without when I was kind of like in limbo. But as time went on, I just, I didn't miss giving my take on the Lakers or I didn't, I didn't miss that. Right. Um, I'm really excited. I'm enjoying this. Like my, my schedule now is weird. I use the calendar app on my phone for the first time. It's like, <laughs> call meeting, call meeting, call meeting. It's a different kind of rush that I'm getting from this. Um, but when I do get back, it's going to be something where I can be me unapologetically, and that's enough. The reason why his and hers was the nirvana uh, of my ESPN existence 
was because every day, whether it was the woman next to me, the producers, the audience, however many people were in that audience on the other side of that red light, I could go to work, be me, and know that that was more than good enough. I didn't have to fit into anybody else's idea of what I should be or what the role should be. So whatever I do, whether I'm a host of a of an investigative program, whether I, whether I host a talk show again, whether I you know decide I'm just going to produce and 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 report documentaries, whether I decide I'm going to cast myself uh, as a small part in the movie, I've already told Basil I just want to get shot by John Wick in chapter four. He said, that's no problem. So that's, that's part of the contract. John Wick will kill me in chapter four. I, I guarantee you that. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever it is going to be on my terms. Are you going to work with Jamel again? I don't know. I don't know. Um, first of all, we are both, we both got a lot going on. When I say, I don't know, it's because she's got a whole lot going on and she's about to get married in a couple of weeks. I'm going to her wedding in a couple of weeks. She's got a whole lot going on. I'm trying to get my routine down to understand how to do a job that's never existed because I'm not replacing somebody. I'm the first EVP and chief content officer at this company. So how to do this job? So that's the only reason I say I don't know. Um, but under the right circumstances, if there's a demand for it, if the people want it, and we are in position to be us, and there's an understanding that this is what we do, and we're going to call the shots like we once did, then sure. you know. Um, but in the meantime, like we're both kind of figuring out this new world. I know she's in the content creation department as well. So she's got no shortage of opportunities. So yeah, if, if, if the stars were to align again, and, and, and again, if the people, if there was a demand for it, a real demand for it, people actually wanted it. But man, part of me though, the only reluctance I have T is like, you know, you ever break up with somebody and then like years later, you're like, yo, we should get back together. And then you get back together. He's like, yo, this wasn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> like, I just, I, I romanticize this. Like, you actually, I just got regular old crackers. Like, I thought it was Ritz. Like, you know, like, this is like, it's just not what you, you know, you built it up in your mind to be one thing. I would hate for us to do that. Get back together. And we're not as good as we were before. And the audience is like, man. just you know, like, man, which, you know, so I, I almost, I almost kind of like that. It's this, this like, oh, you know, let, let, you know, I say leave them one more. Like I, the part but of yeah. me kind of likes that people that they're, they're the hardcore his and hers fans are just kind of like, oh man, we wish y'all were together. Cause then we get together and we're like, oh, well, uh, all right, well, <laughs> on to the next thing, you know? Not to mention only people that ask me, will I work with Jamel again? Or can we get back together? Where were these people when we needed y'all? Oh. Stevie Wonder, like where were you when I needed you last winter? Like where were no, and they were there. Don't get me wrong, they were there. I'm just saying, I wish that those people were would have been as loud as the people who were like, get these two to fuck up out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish because I mean it was like, yo, there was so many people that wanted us gone. We got a whole lot of people seem to want us together again. I don't know, but timing is everything. Maybe we're just in the wrong place, the wrong time. But like I said, man, I counted all joy, man, because I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about myself. I got in peak physical condition. Well, not peak, but close. But, you know, I'm like, you know, I spent amazing time with my family. I traveled. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a, it strengthened my faith. Cause I never, you know, I'm, so you gotta beg, I beg your pardon. I'm a preacher's grandson. Uh, okay. I never, um, 
I never doubted that God had something greater in store for me. I was often just angry and bitter and frustrated and confused about why it had to go down like that, right? But then I realized, just like they said, you can't pray and worry, you got to pick one. Like, I realized that I couldn't have faith in God and thank God in advance for what he was about to do for me, with me, and through me, and yet at the same time be upset with the vehicles and the vessels that he used to do it. Like, I couldn't harbor bitterness toward anybody for their role in the job that I really wasn't, as you could see on TV, really wasn't that happy in, okay? I couldn't harbor bitterness about that and yet know that there was something greater for me. It's like, well, which one is it? You going to trust me or not? You know? And so now, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm looking back and I'm like, like I said earlier, it had to happen that way. I had to be made uncomfortable because if I were too comfortable, I don't step into this. See, everybody say bet on yourself. Most people that bet on themselves they ain't got nothing to lose. People that's got something to lose typically don't bet. They get up off, they get up from the table. <laughs> <laughs> you bet on yourself when you ain't got nothing to lose. And like for me, it was like I had to move on. I had to be open to moving on. Otherwise, I might stay there and be the Kobe Bryant of this company. <laughs> right. I might. Now I can go and forge my own path. And hopefully, the best part about this new gig is all the people that have been hitting me with ideas, resumes, letting me know they want to work with me. Like, I get to not just, it ain't just about me. I want, I'm ready to go back to empowering people the way that I was able to do the way we were able to do with his and hers. Give people a voice and a platform that didn't have it. Give people opportunities as producers that didn't have it. Promote people that weren't going to be promoted by anybody else. Like, I want to be able to do that through this company, you know? Um, and who knows? Maybe after this experience, I'm not rushing to get away from collab, but I'm saying, like, who knows what I am in five or 10 years? Because when I was on his and hers, you couldn't have told me that I was going to be doing Sports Center, And right. you certainly could have told me that I was going to have EVP and Chief Content Officer attached to my name when I was on Sports Center. So you don't know what's next. I have no idea, and I kind of like it that way. I kind of like it that way because people. I, it used to frustrate me when I first was off Sports Center, and when I was in limbo, everybody was like, "What's next? What's next?" I'm like, "How the fuck should I know? I was just doing. I, don't, I was just doing what I thought was next. I don't know." This opportunity literally came out of nowhere, and now I'm here, and I'm I'm just I'm I'm living in this moment. I'm enjoying this moment, which I didn't do on his and hers. Another regret that I have is that when I was on his and hers, I despised the days of small beginnings. Like I I I, I didn't like the studio. I didn't think our staff was big enough. Remember, remember you asked how I felt when we got Sports Center, and I was like, it felt like validation. Yeah. I thought we needed to be on E1, on ESPN. Instead of ESPN2, I thought we needed promotion and commercials, and I just thought we needed more. Not understanding that we were doing something that was ahead of its time, and that was groundbreaking, and that was breaking the mold, and 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 setting the table for other people. How, how many his and hers type projects do you see out there now? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, in terms of like just people, man and woman, that dynamic, there are a lot of people that have emulated that formula. Okay, okay. But try to emulate that formula is what I'm saying. Like I've, I've seen a lot of people have a version of his and hers since then. So my point is, or just be empowered to, to be their unapologetic selves or be inspired to be their unapologetic selves based on that program. So I guess what I'm saying is I didn't appreciate what we were doing in the moment like mm -hmm. I should have. You know, I really, I was just, I was always looking for what was next, what I wanted more. I should have just like enjoyed the fact that we were having fun selling tapes out the trunk. 
thanks to Michael for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps. And tell your friends about the show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Chanta Covington, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next Wednesday, no doubt, with another amazing guest, because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.